some of the most committed, dedicated entrepreneurs have terrible personal credit because some of the most committed entrepreneurs can get tunnel vision about their company at the expense of everything else that goes on in their life. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Brady Burkett. And today we are joined by Keith Smith, co-founder and CEO of Payability. Welcome to the show, Keith. Brady, good to be here. Keith, we're, we're really excited to have you on. Payability is an exciting company in the lending space. You guys are, are kind of this new crop of, of digital lenders. So if you could, why don't you introduce yourself and, and introduce Payability to our listeners? Fantastic. Thank you. So I'm Keith Smith. I am the co-founder and CEO here at Payability. We started Payability a little over five years ago. And, and, and the problem in the market that we saw at the time was that there was this, uh, this, this really this emergence of marketplaces, digital marketplaces that were spanning all sorts of different verticals. And, and they had very similar dynamics where there were suppliers and, and there were buyers in these marketplaces. And the suppliers are oftentimes small businesses. And, and oftentimes these small businesses are, are very constrained by, by just needing capital. So whether this is uh, um, in the ag tech space, if it's in the app store space, um, if it's in the e-commerce space, <clears throat> there's a very similar kind of dynamic where you have a lot of small businesses that are suppliers to these marketplaces and, and, and the historical ways for them to be able to get access to capital are pretty locked off from them. So we saw that as a big opportunity. And then the thesis that we developed around that was that, that there's these massive new data sets that are coming from marketplaces, from retailers, and, and, and it gives lots and lots of signals around whether or not these small business suppliers are going to be a good credit risk and, and a good bet to be able to provide capital and financing for. And in addition to that, uh, giving better insights to be able to figure out how to be able to price that risk and ultimately price that financing. So that was kind of the original thesis, and we've been we've been delivering and working on that on that thesis for the last five years. At this point in time, we've done over three billion dollars now in financing, specifically for e-commerce sellers. Uh, e-commerce is the vertical that we decided made the most sense for us to really focus our efforts, and and so we have developed uh, two uh, finance products that are very spe- specifically focused and and tailored for e-commerce sellers. Uh, and, and the needs that they fit is first, our, our first product, which is called Instant Access. And this is kind of our flagship product that we launched uh, a little over four years ago now. It provides daily working capital for e-commerce sellers. So one of the big pain points that e-commerce sellers have is they sell their products online and then they have to wait some extended period of time to then get paid. And so sometimes that's two weeks. Uh, it can be as long as two to three months, uh, depending on which channel they're selling through. And so that period of time, yeah, they is very, very difficult to be able to bridge, uh, especially if you're growing quickly. So you buy your inventory, you sell out your inventory, you wait two to four weeks to get paid, and then you go out and you do it all over again, but it makes for a very lumpy growth trajectory. So we provide daily working capital based on yesterday's sales. So if you sold $1,000 worth of product yesterday, uh, then you can log into your payability account if you're a payability customer the next day, and you can get access to typically 80% of, of those proceeds. And that allows our customers then to be able to have that daily working capital. It is highly predictive. It's not lumpy. It allows them to be able to, to grow their business. Um, and then the second product is a product that's really geared towards giving our customers growth capital, both for inventory as well as advertising. 
And those are the two big areas that our customers uh, tend to be able to uh, tend to be able to grow their business if they can invest in those two areas. So, uh, so we have a product called Instant Advance. Uh, we are, are, are continuing to innovate on that product, and we'll be making uh, some really interesting, exciting announcements here in the next couple of months about that product, just in terms of the pricing and the structure of it. But basically, the the underlying promise of it uh, stays the same, which is that we will provide capital in a very friction-free way for e-commerce sellers to be able to scale their advertising and to be able to buy more inventory so they can continue to grow and scale their business. Thank you. That's that's a very detailed background. And, and we'll kind of jump in and, and uh, break that apart a little bit um, to understand a bit more. So, so payability has been around for, for five years and you guys just passed $3 billion in financing. Congratulations. Um, it's really exciting. And, and I think what, what will be interesting is to dive into these trends that, that enabled the company to um, start and flourish, right? So, so you talk about new businesses being formed to take advantage of these platforms like Amazon, like Shopify, and, and there are probably um, half a dozen or a dozen more that, that you guys are working with. So, so where was the gap? Why, why weren't these businesses able to access credit from traditional sources? And, and you know, was it, was it just a gap existed and you filled that? Or, or um, were you building the tools to outcompete those that, that were trying to enter that market as well? You know, frankly, it's a, it's a little bit of both. It, it, it's interesting that the, the, the challenge in these types of uh, companies, specifically e-commerce sellers and getting access to, to traditional means of capital, sometimes it's just as simple as they are an online-only business. And, um, and that category, online-only business, is, is something that has scared banks and traditional uh, finance companies uh, for, for years and years. And they just kind of can't, can't wrap their head around what they would need to do to be able to risk assess a company that doesn't have an actual brick and mortar presence. Um, so that's one part of it. Uh, the other part is a bit more, more esoteric is that you, you do have this historical, very robust financing solution that is in place specifically for retail. And so if I, as an example, am a, am a supplier and a vendor to one of the big box retailers, the typical scenario is that I will, I will sell my products to that big box retailer. They'll buy the products from me. Um, they give me a PO, they then give me an invoice uh, um, once, once I've actually delivered the products. And then in about 60 days, they will pay me for those products. Um, what I can do then, because I have this receivable from that big box retailers, I can take that to a lender and I can say, hey, here's this receivable. It's, it's money good because it's going to be paid out from this big box retailer who is very credit worthy. So you should finance that for me. So they've been able to, even though some suppliers have not been credit worthy, historically, they've been able to get access to capital. Well, that whole world changes as soon as you start talking about suppliers in the new e-commerce world, because these suppliers are typically selling through marketplaces. And it's a very, very different kind of dynamic because what happens there is that these sellers are selling and they don't get a receivable from Amazon uh, or they don't get a receivable from Shopify or a receivable from Walmart if they're on the supplier side. What they have is they have an earnings report on a dashboard. And, and again, you kind of have the situation where finance companies have a difficult time figuring out, is that really an asset? Can I use that as collateral? Um, so what we did is we saw that as a real opportunity. We, we developed the technology to be able to solve for this. Uh, we then applied for and then later received the patent uh, to effectively be able to take those earnings reports that is in a, a dashboard, an e-commerce dashboard, and effectively turn it into a receivable, which means that we can then work with our bank partners and our lenders to be able to use that as collateral. So we can then provide capital to an entire group of people who were just frankly locked out and not able to get capital access to capital previously. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And, and I want to double click on, on those reports that, that these marketplaces uh, spit out. So, so how many 
online marketplaces are you guys integrated with today? So we have uh, over 50 that, that we uh, have some amount of integration with. And as you might imagine, some of those are, are, are bigger than others. And so we have tighter and deeper integrations with, with the big folks. Uh, and, and as we continue to scale and grow both the company as well as the volume on those other challenger marketplaces, and we continue to get deeper and deeper integrations with those as well. Yeah. So, so do your customers, I would assume they have accounts at each of these different platforms, right? So, so one of your clients might be selling across four or five different marketplaces. That's exactly right. And, and as you might imagine, the seller that is selling on one platform versus the seller that's selling on four platforms has a very different set of needs. Right. Right. So, so you're able to take all this data in from, from all those different platforms. How, how do you think about that build, right? I wouldn't imagine it's, I wouldn't imagine it's easy to, to look at a new platform and, and say, well, these are the, their API endpoints and this is the data they're willing to share. Um, how do you think about building those out and meshing it with your current system? Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of pieces to it. One is, is uh, as we kind of think about it, it's just kind of what is the onboarding experience for the customer? Are they able to simply go to payability, connect the API for their marketplace that they sell on, and then we can pull all the data that we need and, and we can risk assess them that way. So that's kind of the first piece. And that's what we try to do with our integrations first and foremost, is try to make it so that we're taking the friction out of the process for the customer. Um, the second piece of integration that we then need to do is, is how do we understand and get access to and know how much to finance uh, for each of our customers? And so that means getting access to all of the underlying transactions, uh, understanding the nature of all of those underlying transactions. Are they high quality transactions? Are they low quality? Are there, are there, uh, are there red flags in there? Are there negative signals in there? Uh, or are, do the customers tend to like the product that the seller is, is selling? They like the fulfillment process. They like the time in which they get it. Uh, and they're, they're happy with that, uh, with that deal or they are not. And so those are all signals that we can pick up by looking at the underlying kind of transaction-related data. Um, and then kind of the third big piece then is getting our, what we affectionately refer to as the robots, which are really the, our, our machine learning-based algorithms to be able to properly risk assess and analyze all of that data because frankly, it's just way too much data for humans to be able to accurately assess, uh, but be able to get our machine learning algorithms to a point where they can do a very sophisticated job of risk assessing and then ultimately pricing that financing and that capital for each individual seller. Yeah, so, so that, that's, a, that's another interesting point. Not only has payability been able to you know, take these new streams of data and, and create an asset out of these earnings reports, but you're also creating the, the risk uh, scoring algorithm. Um, to, that, that, that kind of builds a moat around what you guys are doing, right? Because the more data you have, the better your algorithm gets. It, it protects you from, from new entrants to the market. That's exactly right. And, and the other thing that kind of creates a moat for us there is that, uh, is that we don't look at personal credit scores as a part of our analysis. Um, and that is, that is a very different way of looking at risk for small businesses than, than most other finance companies, even most modern fintech companies. Uh, and our view on that is, is, is twofold. One is that we find that, that some of the most committed, dedicated entrepreneurs have terrible personal credit. Because some of the most committed entrepreneurs can get tunnel vision about their company at the expense of everything else that goes on in their life. And so just because they have bad personal credit doesn't mean that they haven't built a great business. And we know a lot of entrepreneurs are going to fit into that bucket. The second thing is, is that we found that the signals that we can get that are about the, the sales and the transaction that our customers have through the marketplaces that they sell on, those are far better predictors uh, at, at being able to, to give us a sense of, of the risk in, in providing financing for that seller than 
what is the FICO of the founder of that particular company? Um, and so, so by, by taking on and, and looking at this much more complex, but much more rich data set uh, that is beyond just kind of credit and personal credit, uh, it makes it the job much more challenging, uh, but it also gives us, I think, much better insight. And, and importantly for our customers, it means that they are not penalized uh, because they, they missed a, a, you know, a payment on their personal credit card three months ago. Um, whereas if they're looking for financing in most places, uh, they, that might be something that would penalize them. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I want to come back to this idea of these online marketplaces um, and how you treat them, uh, you know, strategically, I guess. Because uh, you could look at them as channel partners, you could look at them as uh, data feed partners, right? To to do this risk scoring, or or, or you could look at them as uh, you know we need to integrate this number of, of partners in order to best serve our client from a customer experience perspective. Um, exciting news that you you just announced a new partnership with one of these online platforms. So I'll, I'll let you talk about that. Um, but but how do you view those relationships? How how do you view uh, working with the Amazons and, and the Shopify's of the world all the way down to, to the smaller versions of those companies? Yeah, a great question. And we, we're very excited about the, the newest partner that we, uh, that, that we um, are announcing shortly. And hopefully by the time this airs, it's already been announced. And that is Newegg. And Newegg is a very exciting marketplace, uh, partly just because of the transition that they've gone through. They've been a very well-known, very respected, uh, but vertically focused marketplace, e-commerce marketplace for a very long time, specifically focusing on technology uh, and technology-related kinds of sales. Uh, They are now transitioning to be more of a general-use kind of e-commerce marketplace, and that's very exciting. They're then attracting a lot of new suppliers and sellers on that marketplace, as well as a lot of new customers. And if you haven't checked out Newegg, uh, definitely recommend it. It's a great marketplace, great option to be able to start to to do your your holiday shopping and otherwise uh, on, on Newegg. Um, but, but what they realized, which many other marketplaces realize, is that in order to be able to properly support their seller base, they need to make sure that their sellers have access to what they need in order to be able to grow. And the most critical part of that is capital. If you're going to provide inventory, you need capital to be able to buy that inventory. And so, uh, so they have, and we've been talking with them and working on this project for a long time, uh, but, but uh, launching Newegg Capital as, as a co-branded version of, of the payability financing solutions is a great way to be able to integrate our solutions directly into the experience that the new egg sellers have right directly into the new egg dashboard. And this is part of our long-term strategy as well, which is that in order for us to be able to take the friction out of getting access to capital for e-commerce sellers, we need to be where the e-commerce seller is already and not try to get them to come out of their existing flow and out of their existing tools. And so if we can inject our our tools, our, our, our uh, solutions, our offers for financing right directly into a marketplace. Uh, that is a, a, the ultimate way for us to be able to kind of remove the friction for our customers. So when we can have a marketplace that is not only a technology partner, a data partner, uh, but also a marketing partner, then that is the kind of the, the, the ultimate solution for us. And we are doing more and more of those and, and very proud of our team for, for the work that they do on that and would welcome, uh, you know, if there are other Folks that run marketplaces or work at marketplaces, and you want to be able to provide uh, the the lifeblood for your your sellers, which is capital. Uh, you know, we we provide a really a fantastic white label co branded kind of solution that you can integrate directly into your experience for your sellers. It's 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 interesting, and I think what what our listeners are probably tuned into right now too is is the trends of some of the bigger online marketplaces, Amazon, Shopify. Uh, and maybe a few others to get into the finance piece too, right? The, the big trend of embedded finance for online marketplaces. So 
for payability, you guys are in an interesting position. Um, it, it seems like some of your channel partnerships um, or, 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 you know, data partners are, are looking at what you guys are doing and, and trying to dip their toe in the space. At the same time, you have other, uh, other competitors doing something similar, you know, ClearBank and Sellers Funding are, are two big names um, that, that I'm sure you guys come across a lot. Um, and at the same time, maybe there are even traditional banks in the U.S. that five years ago didn't have the capability to, to serve merchants in this market, but have been working on it and, and thinking about entering the space. So you guys are, are kind of in the middle uh, and seeing a number of players converge on, on this space. Um, so how do you think about your, your marketplace partners entering the space? Um, do, you, do you see that as competition like the other guys or, or how are you thinking about those, those types of relationships? Yeah, the, the key thing to, to note here is when it comes to financing for e-commerce sellers in, in today's market, this has been true for, for years now, is there's really kind of two categories. There's underserved and unserved. There is not really a well-served, meaning, meaning well-financed group of, of e-commerce sellers. And so they are constantly looking for new capital so that they can get new inventory so that they can meet the demand that is coming from this, uh, this, this massive growth in, in marketplaces. And so, so at some level, we welcome additional options uh, because, uh, you know, we, we, if you just look at, at, at Amazon as one, one good example, uh, Amazon is, is the biggest e-commerce marketplace in the U.S. They, they did about $200 billion worth of GMV just on the third-party marketplace side of Amazon.com in 2019. That is going to grow 45 to 50% this year. And, and it's notable that, that even despite the fact that they're growing 45 to 50% this year, Amazon is actually losing market share, which means the rest of the marketplaces are actually growing a little bit faster than Amazon is. And so there is just massive growth. Uh, there's been a significant demand shift uh, as a part of, of, of the response to COVID from brick and mortar to e-commerce. And so that has meant that there's a lot of demand that's going to these marketplaces. So at some level, if the marketplaces can step up and provide some amount of capital to their sellers, that is a good thing. It just means that, that the sellers have additional, uh, additional sources of capital, and additional options. But the thing that we hear consistently from our customers is, is that the, the e-commerce seller journey looks like this. They start on one marketplace. Uh, maybe that's Amazon. Maybe they've started their own website. Maybe it's Shopify. Maybe it's Walmart. Uh, and, and they get their business, their e-commerce uh, um, sales to a certain volume, to a certain level. And they decide we need to start to diversify. So now we need to become a multi-channel e-commerce seller. We can't just put all of our eggs in one basket. So maybe they start, they, they go from Amazon and they start uh, selling also through Shopify with their own website. And maybe then they also expand into Walmart. And, and the needs of that seller all of a sudden are very, very different than the seller who was only selling on one marketplace. And the idea that, that as a seller, I'm going to have these siloed finance solutions that are only going to recognize the channel sales for one of my many channels at a time, and I have to try to manage these across my entire business is very, very difficult. So the multi-channel e-commerce seller needs a multi-channel finance solution, and that is what payability does. Yeah. yeah, and that comes back to your point that you guys are, are aiming to be the true finance partner for, for these folks, not just lending, but also offering other financial services uh, like a digital wallet or, or payment services. So can you talk a little bit about your customers and how they, they view the two products you offer? So you offer instant access, uh, which you mentioned is about daily working capital. So um, I assume that's a loan on a uh, expected receivable, um, and then instant advance. So that's uh, growth capital and, and a bit of a chunkier loan. Do your customers typically 
uh, access both products? Do you find that, that they kind of break down and, and only work with one? Or, or how do you see that across your customer base? So it really does depend on which marketplaces they sell on and what their particular needs are. And so, uh, so as an example, if you are selling via Shopify and only via Shopify, then you really don't have a, a delay of payments issue that you have to worry about uh, because those, those payments are made relatively quickly, uh, typically about three days, uh, um, similar to, to any sort of, uh, you know, a merchant kind of uh, relationship with a credit card provider. Um, so, so they don't have need for daily working capital, but they certainly have need for capital to be able to buy advertising and to be able to buy inventory. And so in that case, then Instant Advance works great for them. But if they expand and then start selling on, on say, Walmart, then both Instant Access and Instant Advance start to make sense for them as well. So it kind of depends on which marketplaces they're selling on, what their particular needs are. Um, and in many cases, uh, we, you know, we, we are able to work with customers that have some other form of financing already in place, uh, but it's not enough. It's not growing fast enough for them. They need to be able to take advantage of new opportunities. And so sometimes we can also be supplemental capital for those types of sellers, allowing them to be able to take advantage of additional opportunities to buy inventory, grow and scale their business. Got it. And, and I don't think we could, we could conclude this conversation, Keith, without touching on COVID um, at, at this time. So I understand that's impacted your business quite a bit um, on the positive side. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I'll start by saying that, that COVID has just been the gut punch that nobody expected. I shouldn't say nobody. There were some people who, who may have seen this coming, but, uh, but for most of us in the world, it was a shock. And as we started to see what was happening in January and February of this year, uh, you know, it was just a shock to the system. And, and part of it, I think, is for, for business owners, small businesses and otherwise, is that just trying to manage through the uncertainty that is created around the world at this point in time is extremely difficult and, and, and even harder if you don't have a big balance sheet from which to, to try to manage that uncertainty. So, so we feel... And, and, and we hear about the pain constantly from, you know, from, from folks that are in the market, small businesses especially. So this has been a very, very difficult and challenging time. With that said, one of the consumer behaviors that has, uh, that is, has come out of this is, of course, that there's been a significant demand shift from brick and mortar to e-commerce uh, for all the obvious reasons. And so that means that, that our customers, e-commerce sellers, have significantly more demand for their inventory and for their products which means that they then have significantly more demand for our capital uh, as well as our payment solutions. And so, so, uh, so COVID, the results of COVID and the, and the resulting consumer behavior has been a significant tailwind for our customers uh, and therefore it's been a significant tailwind for our business as well. We have been trying to manage that growth. Uh, it, is, it is challenging to manage that kind of growth in an uncertain environment, uh, but certainly we, we are rewarded daily by the stories that we hear from our customers, you know, with them thriving, with them growing and hearing the stories of small businesses that are thriving in this economy, in this during this time, is very very encouraging. It, it's a bit rare, uh, but but we have a lot of them in our portfolio just because we we work almost exclusively with e-commerce sellers. Yeah, yeah, and and while it's not you know a, a good uh, news story, I think there are some some that benefit from COVID, and, and online sellers is certainly one of them. Have you seen? Well, I think we see a trend since the the outbreak of COVID that that traditional banks are sort of stepping away from small business loans. You mentioned previously that that, that might not be the biggest impact to your business since they're not really playing in the e-commerce space, but have you seen that trend and, and how are you guys reacting to that? 
we have seen that, and it's really a continuation of, of 2008. Uh, the banks never really got back into small business financing directly. Uh, to a large degree, what they did is they embraced the fintechs who had new risk models, uh, who were then uh, providing capital directly to small businesses. So many of the banks became the money behind the money. Um, and, and so we have, you know, bank partners as a result of that, uh, they then, you know, work with us, uh, they, they rely on our new types of, of, of risk algorithms in order to be able to do a better job of risk assessing than, than they could, better job of just kind of working with high tech customers, uh, than they could. Uh, the challenge, of course, is that these new risk models, uh, they, they're a bit meaningless until they're tested. And so, you know, every, every fintech that comes out and says, hey, we have a new risk model, um, you know, they recognize that that, that that doesn't mean much until you go through a credit cycle. And so we all try to build our, our risk models so that they will survive through a credit cycle. We've always taken the approach at Payability where we've said, look, we want to structure our finance products so that we will not only survive, but actually strive and, and actually uh, thrive through a, uh, through, through a credit cycle. Um, the, the current credit cycle that we're going through right now is not like anything that any of us had planned for or anticipated. Uh, but the good news is, is that there are some companies that are that are thriving and doing incredibly well. We're certainly in that camp. Um, and, you know, we've seen some high profile flameouts uh, where the portfolios have been impacted significantly. And, and some of the big fintech small business finance companies have had to sell for pennies on the dollar of what they were worth previously. So there's definitely been a shakeout. There's been some winners. There's been some losers. It's been a, a test of the, the new risk models and some have stood up and some have not. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting too. Right. So, so we saw uh, companies like, like cabbage exit, but take a, a pretty big down round. And that's, that's happened across uh, some of these other digital lenders that became really popular in, in like 2012 and 2014. You guys are probably on, on the later end of that. Um, so would you attribute your success to more advanced risk models or, or really a different go-to-market approach and how you guys see your customer? So I attribute it to three things, um, and and the first of those is is just frankly just luck. We the, the credit cycle that we anticipated, we did not expect that would be a tailwind for e-commerce and 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 a headwind for you know for other non-e-commerce based businesses. So um, so you know I I I I I actually my skin crawls a little bit when I say luck as it relates to coronavirus because that's that's a the wrong way to say it, but but the idea being that that it wasn't a necessarily by design. It, it just that it worked out that way for us. The two though that were by design were first that that we we tend to have short durations in our financing. And the reason for that is because we try to match our durations to the buying cycles, the inventory buying cycles of our customers. We don't want to provide 18 month, two year type of duration to our customers uh, because if a customer is taking a year or two years to pay back their inventory and they're moving way too slow, uh, they need to be able to turn their inventory cycles much, much faster. So we try to match our duration to those inventory buying cycles or to advertising buying cycles, which also are, are relatively short. And that allows our customers to be able to come back, get access to capital, spend it, earn, earn revenue, recycle that capital and continue to do it over and over and over again. And it creates this very kind of symbiotic relationship. But that short duration allows us to be able to withstand uh, um, um, credit cycles that, that would otherwise take down on companies that have much longer duration. Um, and then the third piece that and I would also say is, is something that I would give credit to our team uh, and is, is our new risk models and, and the way that we look at these, these literally tens of thousands of signals for every single customer uh, and, and the, the uh, efficacy of our machine learning algorithms to be able to assess risk and to be able to assess the price based on that risk category is, is something that has proven to be extremely effective, even more effective than what we initially anticipated it would be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so I, I want to get your thoughts quickly 
on uh, one other trend we're seeing in the market. If you could quickly talk about the emergence of point of sale financing, right? The Affirms, Klarna, Sezzle, Afterpay, you see them on every checkout page now. I know it's not directly overlapping with your space, but um, anything you have to share about those companies and, and what they're able to provide to the sellers? Yeah, we are big fans of them and, and we think they are really interesting. Unfortunately, they probably don't uh, um, work with many of our sellers uh, um, except when they are selling on their own website, maybe through like a Shopify site builder or our Orvolution or one of the, the challengers to, uh, to Shopify. Um, outside of that kind of context, those types of companies probably are not interfacing with our type of customer. But we view that anything, any finance company that is going to be able to build the technology to embed themselves into the existing flow, that's, all, that's, a, that's a great place to start. Um, and then if we can take friction out of the sales process, that is also another great thing. So in this case, those companies are taking the friction out of the, the process for, for the end consumer. Uh, but ultimately, they're also taking a lot of friction out for the, the, the platform that is selling or the website that is selling there uh, because they're going to hopefully be able to, uh, to create a sale that, w- that wouldn't have happened otherwise because uh, you can pay on installments or, or get a loan for that, for that sale. So we think that's really interesting. We also think there's a really interesting way to be able to leverage that same model in the B2B space. Uh, and so more to announce on that, we have some, some plans that we'll announce in, in 2021 along those lines, uh, but some really interesting ways to be able to, to take that same kind of structure and be able to uh, allow our customers to be able to get financing when they're buying their supply in a similar kind of, uh, similar kind of fashion. Yeah, it's exciting. Can't wait for, for another announcement. You guys have been, been doing uh, pretty well lately. The new egg announcement, crossing 3 billion in financing volume. Been great having you on today, Keith. Uh, any any last words to share? I would say you know there is there is uncertainty everywhere, and and I would encourage all the small business owners, all the entrepreneurs that are out there, you know to uh, you know to keep a stiff upper lip. Uh, we will make it through this. Uh, twenty twenty one. I, I I hope and knock on wood is going to be better than twenty twenty. Uh, and and it is certainly a challenging time, but but together we will get through this. I appreciate having you on today, Keith. Thank you, Brady. Appreciate it. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.